What's working on purpose anyway? Each week we ponder the answer to this question. People ache for meaning and purpose at work, to contribute their talents passionately and know their lives really matter. They crave being part of an organization that inspires them and helps them grow into realizing their highest potential. Business can be such a force for good in the world, elevating humanity. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration to help usher in this world we all want, working on purpose. Now, here is your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. If you've been tuning in for a while, you know this program is an inspirational thought leadership platform that advances the conversation on living and working with passion, inspiration, and purpose. I'm committed to helping create a world where business and capitalism are a force for good, constantly working to address the immense number of problems society faces, all serving stakeholders. The Gallup Organization reports that 85% of the global workforce does not want to go to work on Monday or whenever the shift starts. Let's change that together and instead make work an enriching part of life that expresses meaningful contribution and helps us grow into our highest selves, all in service of the organization's purpose. Each week in these conversations, I hope you walk away with something that changes the way you think or that you can immediately put to use in your life. Much of the content we discuss in this program is a reflection of the work I do, so as you listen, if you catch a glimpse of anything I can do to help, go to my website at elisecortez.com and use the contact me feature to message me. Let's talk about what's going on for you and how I might be able to help, whether it's consulting on visioneering for a greater purpose among your stakeholders, a vitally inspired leadership program, the online Catch Fire learning communities, or speaking for your company or conference. At any rate, I'm glad we're connected, and thanks for listening. Now on to this week's program. With us today is Justin Barnes, author of Sisu, Find Your Resilience the Finish Way, and also the book called Ikigai, Discover Your Reason for Being, a book he and I discussed on air a few months ago. Today we'll be talking about this finished concept of Sisu he's been investigating and how we can nurture it in our personal and professional lives to find our own resilience. If you're up to something in life, you can definitely stand to nurture and leverage a little Sisu. Justin joins us today from Hastings, which is on the south coast of England. Justin, welcome back to Working on Purpose. Hello, nice talking to you again. It's wonderful to have you back. <laughs> you know, one of the greatest things about being this host or this program is that I get to connect with authors like you all over the world who are up to something, Justin, and I really appreciate that. So thank you for staying in my sphere. Yeah, well, it's really no, it's nice to talk to you too because I, I do listen to your pro- I listen to your um, program as well, and it's yeah, I get pick up some interesting tips from it myself. So it's uh, it's good to talk to you. Good, thank you. Likewise. Well, among other passions that I have, I think you and I, you and I have discussed this before, but I'm an identity and a meaning researcher. So I want to start by just presencing for our listeners who you are. So imagine you're coming into maybe a cocktail party or a brand new Ooh. conference or something, right? <laughs> a conference or whatever it might be, Justin. Yeah. Um, how would you introduce yourself to someone so that they understood really who you are? Yeah, well, I suppose, I mean, as a work-wise, I'm a writer. I mean, as a person, I suppose... Um, I think generally I've been brought up to sort of count my blessings a bit. My, you know, I don't come from a particularly well-off family, but but we always sort of told you know we're you know we're quite lucky in life, and I think that's always made me feel like in work particularly you know to try and be encouraging to other people. When I I used to work as a magazine editor, and you know we had young interns and people coming in, I always tried to sort of help. You know, even when, even when I was sort of in charge, I, I was I'm one of those I, I would try and help to lift people up rather than sort of, you know, put them in their place, if you know what I mean. Um, 
I think I'm quite, as I've, uh, the last few years I've been a writer working from home. So I think I've become quite sort of, uh, I live in my own head a bit these days, I think, uh, which, which has its uh, pluses. But also I think it means you have to be careful about that because you have to sort of push out and, uh, you know, get other, get hear other voices. Um, you know, I think I've got capacity to be quite driven at times, but I'm also got capacity to be incredibly lazy. <laughs> so, um, you know, and I can, you know, I can go from one extreme to the other. You know, sometimes when I'm writing a book, I've got a deadline, and you know, I've got to write fifty thousand words in a two or three weeks, which I've had to do at times. You know, I'd some, I don't think I can do it, but I get it done. Um, and then other times, I think oh, I couldn't even manage to write, you know, a couple of hundred words in a, an hour. So. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think as a person, I'm a bit, I, I have to admit, I think I can be a bit resistant to change and then occasionally very adventurous. I'll just sort of do something which people go, well, wow, what, what made you do that? Um, so I think, yeah, I think I always have to make a bit of a, an effort, a conscious effort to challenge that kind of slightly, um, that resistance in me that I know that I can, you know, because I know that sometimes when I've made big changes, they're the things that brought some really good things into my life. So, yeah, I think that's that's one of the things. And lastly, I'd sort of say, um, as I get older, the more I sort of learn. I mean, I, with, luckily with my work, I, one thing I really enjoy with things like these, the Sisu book and the Ikigai book is, you know, learning about things I didn't know about before. And, and But the, the more you learn, the sort of the more you realize how little you know. That's you know, so true. Which is really um, so. You know, I just yeah, I think it makes you think, well, I've got to open my mind and, you know, be much more open minded always. And you have to develop a sort of problem-solving mentality because life, you know, it just is never simple. It's always obstacles. And actually, that's where the Sisu concept comes in um, because that is very much about, you know, how um, you can confront problems and solve them. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so first, let me just acknowledge what you just did for us, Justin, is exactly the reason I start with sometimes. I don't always ask that question first, but um, just <laughs> it gives us access to you and really opens the conversation in an authentic way. So that's yeah. perfect. Thank you for that. Now, just on the heels of what you just said here, I want to present the promise of this conversation today, which is your book. Um, And you say in in the very beginning, you say, Sisu engenders a gritty can-do spirit where purpose leads to action and surrendering tamely when the going gets tough doesn't cross your mind. And by nurturing it in our daily lives, we can become more resilient, better problem solvers, and what once might seem highly improbable becomes feasible. That Mm -hmm. is a fantastic promise to start with. Can you comment and add to that? Yeah, well, just so just I mean, Sisu is a is a finished concept, but it's it's really like, a bit like Ikigai. It's 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 just they've got a name for it, if you understand. Um, and when I was researching, you know, everyone had their slightly different uh, take on it. But basically, it's a kind of it's a mindset that reframes challenges as opportunities to 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 grow and to get better, to get stronger. And it's it's a mindset that helps you to pursue solutions with sort of tenacity and be creative in the way you approach things um i mean to just to sort of to, i don't know to define define what this is i think the best way to describe it is when uh, you know you have those sort of moments in your life where you just have nothing left you know physically or mentally it could be could be at work where you know you're, you're on a project you've really had enough of it um but you've got a deadline to meet you've got to finish it that that night and you, you're tired physically and uh, you've got problems at home or whatever, um, but you some and you think you've got nothing left, but you you always find a way to do it. Um, so that is this kind of like this is like hidden energy that you've got, 
you, may, you, you have more capability than you actually thought you had in the first place. If you know, so so that's kind of what CSU is. It's it's actually sort of saying, well, actually, we're, we're more capable than maybe we we thought, and it's a it, it helps you to sort of um, push through adversity. Mm. Well, and Justin, that is exactly why I wanted to have you back on the show. When you told me what this next book was after you and I talked about your Ikigai book, I said, oh my gosh, that is perfect because so many of my listeners come to this show, Justin, because they're up to something. They're trying to get to whatever (laughs) next is for them, whether that's pursuing their purpose, whether that's going for the next level of leadership in their career, whether that's starting a new business, they're up to something. And I wanted to give them the gift of Sisu and you to help them on their way. And that's why I wanted to have you back. Yeah, oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the next thing I have to ask you, since I know you are a prolific author, I I don't remember exactly what the number is, but you'll tell us. I think it's over Mm. 60 books that you've written. Yeah, uh, yeah, I've I've, I've sort of, I think I've I've written or edited about over 70, maybe even 80 now. But I I think I've written about 30, 35. I'm not not too sure, but yeah, a lot. (laughs) Okay, okay. So then now we have to ask then, well, then how in the world did, did the Sisu book come about? Yeah, well, I did the, um, I, I, as you know, I, got, I was asked to uh, do the Ikigai book a, a couple of years ago, and uh, and th- that was part of a series of philosophy books, a Japanese philosophy book series that the publishers were doing, and I think it went very well, from what I understand, and the Ikigai book, they translated it into, I think I've, I've got about six or seven languages at home, so uh, it did quite well, and they... they um, they, they sort of said, well, yeah, would you be interested in doing another one? And this time we're doing a Nordic philosophy book series. And Sisu was one of the topics. There's another one was called Free Loose Leave, which is all about the benefits of a free um, of, of, of fresh air and life, life outside. Um, but, um, yeah, I chose to do the Sisu one. And the, the reason really was because actually I haven't done Ikigai. If you remember, that was all about finding your purpose and looking at, you know, trying to work it out by sort of gauging the things you love, the things you're good at, the things you can get paid for and the things that uh, the world needs and trying to get a balance of those things. And Sisu is kind of, so that's kind of like finding your meaning and your purpose. And Sisu is kind of about giving you the inner strength to act on it and push through to actually achieve those goals. So actually it was quite a nice, um, it, it linked really well to, to what I'd been doing before, yeah. Beautifully, I would say. Thank you for that. Um, all right. Now, I have read the book, as I as I am prone to do, cover to cover. Somebody, one of my friends who knows me fairly well, he says, you know, Elise, what I've realized about you is you're a radio show host with a reading problem. <laughs> and I am, right? So I'm constantly, I'm getting the, the opportunity to read amazing works like yours. So I've read your book cover to cover, and it's beautiful. The photos are beautiful. The message is beautiful. But for our listeners who haven't quite picked it up yet, tell us about the history behind the Sisu as a Finnish concept. Yeah, yeah. I should just credit my editor, Anna Southgate, who did a brilliant job on the picture research because it's a lot of the, as you know, the concepts are quite sort of subjective and uh, quite difficult to illustrate, but I thought she did a really fantastic job on that. Um, But yeah, the history behind the Sisu concept. Um, So... The first sort of written instances I could find of it, of it, it were in the sort of 1500s, um, and the meaning of the word seems to have evolved over the years. Um, in the 18th century, the fin- there was an 18th century Finnish dictionary, and it, defli- it defined Sisu as a place in the human body where strong emotions originate. So it was kind of associated with gutsiness. So it's a more of an emotional thing, but I, f- I think nowadays it's more of a mu- it's more seen as a mindset. Um, 
But the way it sort of manifested itself in Finnish culture, um, there, there's been some one of the most famous events in in the history of the country. Because Finland, you may or may not know, um, it was always being invaded. It was always under threat from countries nearby. Soviet Union was on its doorstep, and in the 1939-40 Winter War, Soviet Union invaded. Soviet Union invaded um, Finland. Um, it, and they had three times as many soldiers, a hundred times more tanks, 30 times more aircraft. And yet somehow the Finns managed to fend them off. Um, the, the, their soldiers were known as the Finnish phantoms because they sort of worked, they, they worked out, well, it's obviously they were fighting in snow and they wore this camouflage white gear. And so they were sort of lost in the landscape and, and, and managed to, to somehow hold off this, you know, this, this, the Soviet Union and we were much, much, um, uh, stronger military than them, um, so there was that. That was one example of how they kind of their 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 sort of sisu helped them to survive. I, I think there was a. I'm just trying to find it. I've got the book here. Um, there was a there was a quote from the, in the New York Times just after that, where it said the Finns have something they call sisu. It's a compound of bravado and bravery, of ferocity and tenacity, of the ability to keep fighting after most people would have quit, and to fight with the will to win. So that's quite that's quite a, a good uh, definition of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's a, a and there, I think looking to the present, uh, what's been uh, uh, what's been apparent, Finland was a pretty poor country um, in the early part of the 20th century, and it is now. Um, well, the last two years, it's been ranked number one as in the United Nations World Happiness Report, which is an overall um, scale of well-being. So it's, it, it's wealth, but it's not just that, it's well-being. Um, and on lots of indicators, it, it, it's, it performs better than other countries. Um, and they, they, they've, they've worked towards that. And, and, and a Finnish people will tell you that this kind of Sisu spirit has helped them to make that transformation. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, Justin, why why would I want to position this? When I'm out speaking to audiences, so much of my message is you have one precious life. What are you going to do with it? I need you to nurture your passion, your inspiration, your purpose, and then bring it, right? So if you, if Sisu becomes the motivating force behind bringing it, that's what I want to help presence for our listeners. So uh, thank you for sharing that history because it does help us really understand the just the, as I love the word ferocity, the ferocity and yeah. fortitude of the concept. So with that, let's grab our first break. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Justin Barnes, who is the author of Sisu, Find Your Resilience, The Finnish Way, and also the book called Ikigai, Discover Your Reason for Being. He joins us today from Hastings, which is in the southern part of England. We've been talking about really where this concept com- came from, why he decided to write the book, and how it can help our lives. After the break, we're, t- we're going to talk about how to nurture it in our life and our work. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose.
This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Justin Barnes, the author of Sisu, Find Your Resilience, The Finish Way, and also the book called Ikigai, Discover Your Reason for Being. After belatedly escaping the hustle of London life, he now lives in a 15th century house in Hastings Old Town on the south coast of England, where he pursues his ikigai and tries to nurture his inner sisu. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. I love that description of you, Justin. I just (laughs) think that's so fun to talk about. So, So for this next segment here... Again, as you know, Justin, and listeners have been listening for a while, I really try to make sure that people can walk away with something they can immediately put to use by listening. Mm. So I want to next surface for our listeners how we can use this in our lives. And you say in your book that it helps us survive periods of extreme upheavals, and that certainly happens when we're going for something in life. So if you could say a little something more about some of the ways that we can help nurture Sisu. Hmm. Um, I think, you know, if you're experiencing something, yeah, intense, we talk about intense upheaval. I think there's um, Finnish people are known to be quite calm people, um, yeah. quite understated. Um, and I think there's a value in that sometimes when everyone's going crazy. I mean, at the moment here, I'm sure in, in, in the States as well, we're having this panic about coronavirus mm-hmm. and there's only certain let, let things that you can control about that you know you can control your behavior clean your hands and you know avoid certain things so it's kind of uh, i think it's about some there's some clear thinking involved in it having a plan um i think there's also a, a, about a, th- a thing that i thought was quite interesting to, uh, with finland is they their climate is so um uh, eight eight months of the year they have it's 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 dark and nothing really grows and there's this sort of idea that but no but spring will come so even when things i kind of like that sort of metaphor that even when things are going you know quite dark they know if they do prepare correctly it went eventually things will get better so that's quite a an important thing um also i think it's about having a bit of an agile mindset i, I was i really listened with interest to your guest tom holsey the mm-hmm. Iron mm-hmm. Man and yes. cancer survivor you spoke to. And it was interesting because obviously he was a very fit guy and, and he needed that kind of rigid mindset to push through, um, you know, his, his Iron Man task. But then he said that when he had to battle cancer, he had to sort of change a little bit and adapt. And I think that's a, that's part of CSU as well. It's a, although it's yes persistence, but you you know if if something's not working, you need to change. You need to change your direction um, uh, and work in a different way. Um, and there's a quote in the book from a, a physicist called Niels Bohr, and he says that every great and deep difficulty bears in itself its own solution. It forces us to change our thinking in order to find it. So sometimes the the, what you're tro- the, the, the challenge that faces you, your, your thing has to adapt to, to meet it, if you understand what I'm saying. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, I think uh, another side of it, I think, is, is sort of an educated optimism. You know, hope is a great starting point. You know, you need to be hopeful, but it's not enough. You have to have a plan. You have to have a strategy, which, again, kind of links a bit back to the, to the ikigai thing. And then you have to act, which is the sort of sisu part. You have to actually take action. Um, so I think that that's the sort of uh, the main sort of things I would uh, think would be useful on that. 
Mm-hmm. Beautiful, Justin. I, I love that. And I was, as you were speaking, the first thing that was going through my mind is the importance of cultivating um, more of a, an optimistic mindset, which does bring me to the next thing I wanted to talk about, which is you do say in, and I think it's chapter five, that there is a symbiotic relationship between a SUSU mindset and our physical and mental well-being. So I really appreciate, as a yeah. systems thinker, how that's all coordinated and combined and connected. Will you yeah. say a little bit more about that symbiotic relationship? Definitely. Um, well, there, there's, there was a Finnish guy called Viker Gustafsson, and he was the first Finn to climb Everest in 1993. And he has a son named Sisu, which I thought was brilliant. Um, <laughs> yes, I said that, read that in the book. It's awesome. <laughs> Amazing. Um, but one of the things he says is that re- to remember that the biggest obstacles are between our ears, what, what we tell ourselves. Um and if you're uncomfortable, treat it as an experience. But in terms of the sort of physical and mental well-being side, um, I, I mean, personally, I find physical exercise is really important to my mental health. You know, there and there are days where I feel lazy. I don't want to do my sort of exercise or go for a run or whatever. But I sort of push myself to do it because I know that I will feel better for doing it. And I think that's the kind of knowledge that you, you need to have with Sisu. The, the Finns are famous for taking um, dips in freezing lakes. Finland has 188,000 lakes. And you think, oh, they're mad. You know, they'll go and dip in a lake, which is like nearly frozen. And uh, and then they get out and have a sauna. But there, but there are loads of health benefits associated with that, as long as you don't have a heart condition. Don't do this without talking to your doctor first. <laughs> <laughs> you say it in the book too, yeah. <laughs> but, but a lot of things do... Uh, um, really benefit from it and you can even do it i mean i've actually since i've read the, read the book i've taken to sort of doing it at home when i have a shower i give it a quick blast of cold water as well as the, at the end to kind of you know it, it jolts you into it jolts you to life definitely um but i have been sort of thinking about how uh, i i think when you were talking to uh, tom you were saying about you were doing an adventure race aren't you like a hundred yes yeah, <laughs> it's a 200 kilometer race in Bhutan that takes place over six days or stages in early June of this year. So that's assuming that I still get to go because of what's yeah. happening with the coronavirus. But yes, I'm training for that. I'm doing my part. Yeah, but that's all, that's what but you, that's all you can do, even though you're not sure. I mean, actually, I'm, I'm I'm planning to do a half marathon in a couple of weeks, but I've got an injury at the moment. And I'm sort of thinking, oh, well, you know, it's quite quite I'm thinking, well, I might not be able to do it. Um, but uh when I was sort of, I had this, I had this injury came up a couple of weeks ago, and so I thought, well, what can I do? And I just happened to be reading a book by um, my my sister's father-in-law um, was a very good athlete. He died a couple of years ago, and as a tribute, they released a book that he wrote 50 years ago called Four, Four Million Footsteps, mm. and he basically broke the world record for for ru- running across America on foot. Uh, to, he did it in 66 days. I mean, 43 miles a day. It's crazy. Um, but there were days when he, he had a bit of an injury and he'd have to just walk. As, you know, he wouldn't do as many miles. He'd, had to, he'd have to improvise. There were times when he was having a little injury. And I thought, well, that's quite a good thing to think of. When, when things are not quite going right, which happens a lot in life, you have to think your way around it. And he always stayed fixed on the goal. He was going to do it no matter what. And he actually managed to he, he managed to break the record and do it. And when he finished, he didn't have any injuries. He managed to just manage it. So I think that was quite of a I, I thought that that sort of that stuck with me in terms of my my half marathon training. Although I think my half marathon seems quite 
tiny compared to what you're planning to do <laughs> well so so you, you surface this beautifully justin because i was going to bring up the, the the bhutan race that i'm running because one of the things that intrigued me as i was reading your book is in which aligns with my work in logotherapy so for listeners who don't know what logotherapy is it's really an, a, a philosophical approach to healing through meaning or giving motivation and meaning um, through meaning so there's this you've got this phrase in the book that says the sisu concept is a recognition that human beings need to experience challenges to feel fully alive and thrive. I completely endorse that. In fact, so much of the work that I'm doing is trying to help people to to get uh, motivated and encouraged to go for things that are beyond their comfort zone because I know doing so enlivens them and grows them. So you were, you and I are just speaking about your half marathon, my Bhutan race fits nicely into that. And my challenge as a professional, Justin, is helping people to find ways to catalyze that that desire. Mm. I think, well, I think if you don't test yourself, you do regress a bit. Um, there's a fantastic quote I've always loved from a, a, a box, ex-boxer, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, who's actually called Marvelous Marvin Hagler. That he's not a nickname. He yes, actually changed yes, his I, name to that. I, so I thought it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to address him as Marvelous, not just Marvin. Um, but he had this quote where he was talking about when he decided to retire. And he said, you know, it's tough to get out of bed and do your road work at 5 a.m. When, when, when you've been sleeping in silk pajamas. And I think there's an element of that, you know, there is a point, if you get too comfortable, you don't do the work anymore. And that's fine, you know, that, you know someone like him, he achieved a lot and he reached the stage where he had enough and he, he, you, you have to enjoy your successes. But then you have to find something else. I think a lot of people who have success earlier in life, you know, they, they sometimes find a bit of a lack afterwards. So, um, but for those who haven't and they're still looking for you have to sort of push yourself otherwise you are you, you will you'll lose your way a little bit you, you know to, to put it one way you know you need to sort of exercise that sisu muscle challenge yourself so, because we are capable of more than we think we are always I think so 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 true and that really gives me the next thing I really want to surface for our listeners and that gets to the, the notion of action and this is all great as a philosophy but now we've got to put it into action to make it actually make a difference in our lives and so you you offer in the book that we can cultivate Sisu each day in just simple ways to incubate an action mindset so something as simple as resolving and following through on finally having that difficult conversation you've been putting off is an example of what you're talking about. And I think it's important for us to presence for our listeners what we mean by instilling daily action toward, I, I guess, actualizing the, the Susu concept. Can you give us a couple more examples? Well, I, I think uh, for me, I, one thing, and I don't always do this, and I, and I, I kick myself and try and do it, is, you know, get into the habit of doing, you know, I always, I'm a bit of a list maker. And there's usually a few, a couple of things on that list that they keep getting pushed down. And you've got to get into the habit of, of taking those on the first, do it first thing in the day, because if you get that done, everything's downhill after that. If you do that, you make that conversation you've been, or some email that you've got to write, or, you know, or the, there's a particular job. I do a lot of copywriting. There might be a bit of something I've been putting off. Um, you know, and, and in other ways, there might be some some things you've had in the background. You might have thought, oh, I was going to volunteer for a community project or um, maybe you were going to do a mentoring scheme or something at a company to help some of the younger people there. Or, or there's a, a DIY job that you've been putting off or you started and haven't finished. You know, just just go ahead and do it. Face the problem. And actually, but when you get involved in it, and I find this often with work. I mean, funny enough, actually, when I when I was doing my writing the Sisu book, there were times when I was thinking, have I actually got Sisu? Because I was struggling a bit. It was a new concept to me. And I was trying to, 
understand it. And then, as you know, the book is kind of, it's sort of 60 or 70 sort of bite-sized things, although you can read the whole book from front to cover, you can just dip in. So each each sort of page has to kind of have some, you know, a message to it. And I was sort of thinking, oh, no. And I was sort of laughing to myself. I thought, well, maybe I haven't got the CC to do the right <laughs> So, <laughs> you know, it is about, but, but of course I got through it. And, and you know, you just have, the, the answer is always to just uh, get more knowledge work and work at it until you can understand um and don't don't be put off we'll probably come to this later but like you know fear of failure can be a problem and yeah that, that's something you need to be really aware of because failures are important to actually achieving anything Hmm. Yes, it is. And facing it and, and well, and, and being a, the fear that comes with it to be able just simply to embrace that and know that when you're up to something in life, you're probably going to feel fear. Yeah. And that's okay. That's natural and normal. The, the, the opportunity is just simply just accept that it's there and then ignore it. Yes. <laughs> right. Um, so so now for I know that there are listeners that are right on the on the line now listening to this going yeah this all sounds really interesting but come on folks I'm a realist or um, I'm a pessimist and I think that works really well for me so for our reluctant or naysayers listening in why would anyone not want to try to infuse Sisu into their lives do you suppose is there a downside well there I think the, the, I suppose the danger is if you are just unstoppable there is a danger of not knowing when to stop and there is sometimes there are if you're just plowing down the same path and making this and not getting anywhere that is the that's the sign that you know I think there's an old saying isn't it you know it's the first um, I can't remember the word but uh, you know if you keep doing the same thing it's not working you, you know that's not a good idea um, so I think the Finns are known for having a bit of a Lutheran work ethic, and but there is that danger of working too hard but not smart. Um, and sometimes it might be a time when you need to sort of withdraw, sort of just recuperate, think about it, because part of it is also ag- agile thinking. You know, you you, you might have to reassess your goals. Maybe the, 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 your what you initially originally thought was the right way to go isn't, and you can sort of adjust. And also the other thing I think and I'm always very guilty of this, of not asking for help. Sometimes you just need to ask for help. I think CISU is quite a, because it's quite a, an internal thing, it could lead you to um, just sort of rely on yourself, think, right, I'm going to do it my way. But, you know, you might be missing out on something. So, you know, again, draw on people that you trust, or you might seek out someone who's an expert in the field of what you want to do, and, and discover it. Don't just, you know, you have to, you have to think around the subject. It's about getting, you, you might set yourself a target, but you have to find your way there. And you'll probably find along the way, there will be some things you hadn't thought of. So if you just, if you, if you just plow the same way and you, you've, you've missed something, you're not going to succeed. So I think that's quite important, sort of a, you know, agile thinking. Mm, I like it. I like it a lot. Mm. Let's grab our last break on that thought, Agile Thinking. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Justin Barnes, who's the author of Sisu, Find Your Resilience the Finish Way, and also the book called Ikigai, Discover Your Reason for Being. He joins us today from Hastings, which is in the southern coast of England. After the break, we're going to talk about how to harness Sisu in the workplace for breakthroughs. Stay with us. We'll be right back. (music) 
Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Justin Barnes, who is the author of Sisu, Find Your Resilience, The Finish Way, and also the book called Ikigai, Discover Your Reason for Being. After belatedly escaping the hustle of London life, he now lives in a 15th century house in Hastings Old Town on the south coast of England, where he pursues his Ikigai and tries to nurture his inner Sisu. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So for this last segment here, what I wanted to do, Justin, is I wanted to bring it into the workplace because, as you know, I'm out to really make work a, a place where people want to show up, not not yeah. a, a void. Um, so so the first thing I want to get to, and this might be a little bit of a stretch for for this conversation, but let's try. Mm. Um, I want to talk about how companies can in, how companies and leaders can embrace the Sisu mm. concept to create unique and thriving cultures that help grow and develop employees mm. while creating a, a, a corp d'esprit, esprit de corps, yeah. if you will. So how can we create a, a unique culture that sets a company apart from others and meaningfully connects people mm. to it using Sisu? Well, I think you can learn. I don't know whether it's necessarily a Caesar thing, but it's just, I think it's a Finnish thing because they've, they've been very, very successful. You can't, if you look at their recent history, I mean, particularly of information technology, they're very well attuned to that because of this sort of problem solving CSU mentality. And so when when the, the, the sort of technology revolution happened, they were very well placed to take advantage of it. But um, I think one thing you could learn is that, as I said before, they're quite. Finnish people can often seem introverted and quite undemonstrative, and they're very comfortable with silence. Um, I, I did, by the way, when I did the book, I did speak to, I had a Finnish consultant because I said, look, I'm, I'm a bit wary of stereotyping people here. And she said, no, this is, this is quite true. So, um, you know, so in a meeting, you might have someone who's just sitting there kind of quietly and not all the louder voices are speaking, but they might have something really important to say. So I think there's a, there's a time for... Um, giving people space to talk um, because they may have something really important to contribute. Um, also, Finns are quite well known for quite, even when they do speak, quite being quite direct. You know, it can come across as a bit rude, actually, but but it's it's you know you know exactly where they stand on on things. And so there should be you know you do sometimes when you're approaching a problem. It's not about being disrespectful to each other, but it's about being you know honest about what you think the best way forward is, and then everyone knows. Can can work back from that and think well what, what what's the compromise what's the what's the way we're going to go so I guess as a leader you want to encourage people to speak and also to, and, and as a leader you need to listen uh, because uh, you don't know everything about you know someone might have something to contribute um, the other thing I found certainly when I worked I've worked at different places and the ones that weren't so good were when you had a post mortem something you you sort of had a post mortem on something you've worked on 
And there were some who said, oh, oh, we don't want to talk about the past. Let's push on to the future. And things have got, and I knew things had gone wrong. And I think that's crazy. You have to learn from what went wrong to be to do to not to make the same mistakes again. So I think that's quite important. Um, and there was a quote, just to give you a quote from a very successful uh, Finn, uh, who was the CEO of Nokia, who made all the mobile phones, uh, which was one of the big expansion uh, companies of, 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 fin, of Finnish uh, history. Um, he says that Finns are faring so well because we have a different mindset about success, ones that, one that is based on equity and community. So it's a slightly, you know, I suspect, uh, certainly in England, I suspect so in the States, it's more of an individualized, individual um, view of success. So I think that those are maybe things to, be, to, to, to think about. I like them a lot. A couple of things really quick to echo what you said. I like the idea of giving people a space to talk because I know when my work, when I'm out speaking and doing programs, the extroverts will always speak up. But the <laughs> introverts invariably, when you give them a space and invite them to contribute, really provide really meaningful fodder into the conversation, but they do need to be given a space to talk. And so I like the idea very much of creating a community where all people are given a space to talk and share and consider. And and lots of things that you said in that, but that's the thing that I really wanted to echo. There's a brilliant Uh, book. I don't know if you've read it by Susan Cain called Quiet. mm, She's an an introvert. She's an introvert. You should read it. It's really amazing. She's a, it's a fascinating book about, you know, the power of introverts and how they're sort of, un, how, how if you are introvert, how you can get your voice heard without sort of change, trying to pretending to be something you're not. But yeah, very interesting. And also quite good if you don't understand, if you're extroverts and don't understand introverts. <laughs> right, right. Beautiful. We need, we need all of you. So all yeah. of you come and show up and bring your best. And, we, exactly. and our job as leaders is to make, it, make a place for people to feel like they're wanted and needed and, and can contribute. So mm. I really wanted to make sure we, we surface that. And to that end, I, the next thing I wanted to do, which is really how we'll finish the show, is I, I wanted to go through uh, this section. You just got a, it's actually, a, I think it's a page on parental guidelines for adults with kids. However, that list seems very applicable to any place we're trying to bring people up, including yeah. leaders trying to grow and develop people. So as we go through the, a few of these points here, listeners, what I would like you to do is consider these points as both something you can do as a leader to help develop your people. And if you're a parent or would like to be one, consider how you could use this with your kids. So dual focus. Um, so the very first one that you talk about, which I think is is hopelessly important in today's ever-changing world, is the importance of instilling a love of learning. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I thought what was really interesting was that, in all, I don't know about the States, but in, in England, public libraries are being closed all over the place because, you know, governments have to fund them. And in Finland, they have just opened a massive state-of-the-art library opposite the parliament in Helsinki, which in a way just symbolizes how important they think lifelong learning and discovery is. And I think, yeah, anything you can do to encourage that in the workplace is really important because, you know, you have, especially as you say, the, 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 work, um, the work environment is changing so much now um, and you know, there's there's new industries coming up. Every you know, things change so quickly. So it, it's you have to encourage learning in your employees. Yeah. 
I completely agree, and that's another reason. In today's, they uh, somewhere I've read that by the time a person earns a four-year degree, that 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 knowledge is already outdated by the time they wow. graduate, yeah. and so it just speaks to the importance of ever ever learning and increase our knowledge base. Which is again for me, Justin, a large reason I continue five years in to host this radio show every week because yeah. it allows me to catalyze my own thinking, my development about the world that I'm trying to make a difference in. So. Mm. Completely agree. Love of learning, please, and help. And we, uh, leaders can do so much in an organization to encourage that and, and to nurture that love of learning and give employees the opportunity to do that. So that's the first thing. Mm-hmm. Now, the next thing that you've already surfaced that I think is really important to, to echo for both leaders as well as parents is helping people to see failures as bumps in the road to discovery, not reasons yeah. to give up. Definitely. I mean, there's a. It, it was fascinating that in Finland, a group. I think it was a group of students a few years ago started a day of failure. To yes, I read failure. that in your book. I loved yeah. that. So the, the day of failure, if you want to do it, is 30th of October. But every day should be a failure day if you've tried something ambitious. You shouldn't. It, it, basically, what they were trying to say. So what they did with this is they ended up going to talk to very successful politicians and and business leaders and said, you know, what's you know what's your biggest failure? And of course, some of them had had spectacular failures along the way, but they'd learned from them, and that because they'd tried to do something outside their comfort zone. So, yeah, I think failures, the attitude to failure is important. You learn from it. As I said before, if you if you sort of do a project and at the end of it you just go, oh, we might, now let's look forward, let's you know put that behind us and move on without actually analysing where you what things went right and wrong, you're, you're you're missing you're missing an opportunity to to improve. So I think I think failures are massively important. Yeah. Well, and and I think positioning the environment so that people are not afraid of it, because in mm. so many organizations that I've been called to work into, there is such a fear of failure. That's how people get fired. That's how people get yeah. demoted. That's how people miss opportunities to get promoted because we fail to deliver the result we set out for. So I think there's it's a huge problem in life in general now. I think with social media, if you make a mistake. Like people jump if you're in a exactly people jump on you, and I sort of think we need to get back to with government as well. Look, let's have a let's let's put in place a plan that's going to improve things for uh, we think it's going to improve things for all the people, and you you might do it, and they'll probably find out that some of these things don't work. That's likely, but rather than go oh they're useless, you know, let's try and work from that, and then think right okay let's change direction. I think there needs to be more of that um, using failure product productively. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. And there's, again, so many things we could talk through, but we're I'm going to pick out a couple yeah. things that I think are important. Yeah, sure. uh, another another point that you make, again, these are uh, guidelines for parents, but again, using them inside organizations for leaders, uh, you suggest emboldening people to be independent, self-reliant, and take on responsibility. Mm. But then, to your point earlier, also encourage them to ask for help when they need it. Yeah. Well, I, I think I get the impression with Finns that they are brought up to be quite self-reliant. This CISU is something that is a word that they hear quite early in their, their life, so you have to sort of give them so, so sort of strength to yourself. But you do need to, you know, but there also needs to be a collaborative side. And I think some of some of uh, Finland's greatest achievements. I mean, the one that I absolutely love in the book is this thing that um, uh, they they invented this thing called the baby box. And um, back in I think it was between the wars, they had a huge problem with child mortality, very high child mortality rates. And they wanted to encourage women to come and see if they were pregnant to come and see a doctor. And so what they decided to do is they created this 
this baby box which was given free to any mother who came to see the doctor and it would give you all these uh, 50 odd things that were vital for your, the early months of your child's life so the nappies and food and this that and the other thing but it was a and it's to this day this still goes on but and that that idea led to uh, now their child mortality is much lower years later um, but it's an example of you know putting thinking well there's a big problem we need to work together on um, and at the time that was a poor country and and you know they probably didn't have the money to do it but they thought no this is important and so I think that's it so it's fine being independent but there's certain things you need to work together on and you know maybe within their case I guess they it was it was, it was a public money that was used to do it and it continues to this day and it's been really successful for the good of the whole um, for the of the whole organizer or in this case a country but I guess you could apply that kind of logic to um, to a company as well well and that is one of the other points I wanted to echo two things on this so you say also one of the one of the guidelines is to endow children and of course our employees with the knowledge that they are one of many and show them how communal efforts can achieve extraordinary things so to position that earlier um, last month I had a uh, Hugh Welsh on the show from he's the president and general counsel of DSM and he talks about how their organization gives 10% allows employees to allot 10% of their work time to any project that they are working on in the mm. world and that gives them that sense that they individually are making a difference in the world yeah. um, which I think is a I right. had him on because I think they, they illustrate an example of how enlightened business looks like so mm. this whole notion of being able to endow people with the knowledge that they are one of many especially in our individualistic culture mm. here in the United States and how communally they can make a difference to, to achieve extraordinary things that is so important oh mm. mm. Absolutely. Yeah, right. It's beautiful, and it's beautiful. And and finally, the last thing I want, if you will speak on this, mm. um, and then we've got it. We're getting close to the end of the show. <laughs> um, you also encourage this for, for kids. You say encourage outdoor activities in all conditions to help resilience. Yeah. Say more well, about that, and I'm going to weigh in. Yeah. Well, the the Finns, um, they're, they're from an early age. There's something that some people probably in this country would think would be. Uh, I mean, they, they, they will put a, ba- a baby, they'll wrap them up and they'll put them outside in a pram, in a, you know, in their weather. It's cold out there. And that's quite a normal thing to do because the fresh air is, they think fresh air is good for them. And it kind of, but in terms of activities as well, you know, that obviously they have, they live in a climate where not, they have not much sun, sunlight most of the year. It's cold. There's no excuse. They are one of the most outdoorsy people. Uh, well, you find generally in uh, um, in the uh, Nordic countries, they're very outdoorsy. So you just get the right gear and you get out there. There's no excuse bad weather. Kids walk to school. Um, it's not they don't get driven. It's you know it's so there is a different att- a mindset that you just go out and, and it does help you develop your resilience because it just thinks well no it's a, of course you get used to all of these things. So yeah. Um, it's a way. To, I think that is a way to develop your resilience to to get uh, encourage outdoor activities. But yes, you go ahead on your. What yeah. You so say. two things I wanted to add into that that strike for me in the way that I I consider this material is uh, one that's there's the physicality of being outside. So you're talking yeah. about developing your resilience, and I'm from the northwest of the United States, oh. so there are some Nordic overlaps there for sure. Yeah. And yes, we do run in the rain and we do run in the snow. <laughs> if you're yeah. not if you don't run in the rain and snow, you're not going to run. Yeah. Uh, so there's a physical to that that again goes back to that feedback loop to the overall system that I think is really important to echo 
And then the second thing I wanted to say about being encouraging outdoor activities is just getting present to nature. One yeah. of the things that I do in my programs, Justin, is I, I take people outside to, to help give them an opportunity yeah. to experience nature because I know that for many people, they it allows them to, to get access to the emotion of awe. And when yeah. we experience the emotion of awe, the, the mental models in our mind actually have to change to be able to embrace and make sense of what we experience, and that's elevating. So yeah. it, it's yeah. that's so just the outdoor thing. So so many companies are starting now to be able to provide access to outdoor trails. People can wow. do a conference call as they walk a loop outside. Oh, so nice. important, yeah, yeah, so important. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm I'm because I, I work from home. It's so I have to. There are days when I don't get out, and I always feel worse. I just you know get up in the morning. Even at the moment where I've got this bit of an injury, I'm I'm thinking, well, no, I can walk. Walking's fine, so I, I think I'll go for a long. I'll go for a walk. Get up early. Get out. See the sunrise. I live on the coast. It's really beautiful, and um, to see the sunrise around here. So, yeah, I think those things make you. It definitely gives you energy for the day. So, yeah, I totally agree with that. No wonder you're such a such a, a prolific author. You're you're inspired. <laughs> um, I have so, to be inspired. Yeah. Right. So here we are already. We've already we've already spent an hour yeah, together, so and I know it just evaporates. So in the, say in the last twenty seconds, Justin, what would you like yeah. to leave our listeners with today? Well, I, I think um, if you look at I think if you look at Ikigai and Sisu, the two, the combination of the two, finding your purpose and then pursuing that purpose with uh, tenacity and creativity, I think that you're not going to go too far wrong. Completely agree. Beautiful way to finish, Justin. I'm so glad to have you back on the show. Thanks for yeah, joining nice us again. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, listeners, if you want to learn more about Justin and his various books, the easiest way to do so is go to his website. It's justinbarnesmedia.com. However, his name is spelled J-U-S-T-Y-N. Barnes. Oh, yes. Very weird. Right, very, very important. <laughs> um, so uh, catch check into his books he's got several out there very inspiring guy last week if you missed the show live you can always catch a recorded podcast we were on the air with Louis Efron of the voice of purpose and the author of purpose meets execution we talked about that crucial interaction so many companies are working to get right in order to create meaningful cultures people want to work in while remaining vibrantly profitable next week we'll be on the air with JP LaCour talking about the work he and his team do to create more valuable companies through stronger brands and healthier cultures see you there Remember that work is at least a third of our lives, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll create a world where business operates conscientiously, leadership inspires impassioned performance, and employees are fulfilled in work that provides the meaning and purpose they crave. See you there. Let's work on purpose. <laughs>